Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's podcast, where we seek to help people find and follow Jesus. Please take a minute to subscribe. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull your toes in. I want you to get ready um, for God to encourage you, for God to challenge you. Come on, for God to um, speak to your life in a way today um, that might be uh, somewhat uncomfortable to you because we're talking about on the subject, the subject that everybody loves to talk about, all preachers love to talk about, and that's money. Amen. (laughs) Some of y'all this morning are like, oh, Pastor Keith, I invited a friend this morning. Really, you're like, really, uh, he doesn't talk about this all the time, but, you know, sorry. Well, I can't really apologize because I feel like that God has given me this direction to take. And so don't be upset with the messenger. I've just come here uh, to share with you what God has put on my heart. You know, God is a generous giver. To say it again, God himself, his nature is to be a generous giver. Each and every one of us are beneficiaries of his generosity. For God so loved, he didn't just love, he so loved the world that he did what? He demonstrated it through an actual tangible act, and that was through the giving of his son. This gift of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was the most generous gift that has ever been bestowed upon any individual. And it's also not just for the individual, but it's for humanity. God is a generous giver. He blesses and lavishes his, his love in our lives, but we're not to hoard the generosity that he gives to us. But we are in turn to live generous lives in response to the generosity that he has bestowed upon us. Yet in a culture consumed with consuming and driven by selfishness, we can respond to hell's greed with heaven's generosity. Amen? We are the people of God, and as the people of God, we ought to be the most giving, most generous, most gracious people in all the earth. Amen? And this morning, I want to begin to share with you a collection of teachings that I've titled, A Blessed Life. I have to give credit um, to Pastor Robert Morris, who has written a book. If you're ready to go into a deeper dive on this subject of uh, giving, of stewardship, and of managing wealth, um, there is a book that he has written called The Blessed Life. It's a, it's a real good book, and um, I encourage you to, uh, to pick that up if you can. What exactly does it mean to live a blessed life? I'm going to talk about that uh, this morning. You're in your Bible in in, in Malachi chapter 3. We're going to begin uh, reading at verse 6. Reading at verse 6. And I want to remind you that you can follow along with our notes on the Victory Church app this morning. Uh, If you do, you will be blessed. I've got some special things in there. And uh, follow along with us in there. So let's read. This is the word of the Lord. This is God speaking. 
verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. How many are you grateful for that this morning? <laughs> In a world with consistent, constant changes, it's almost seemingly like everything is subject to change, but God is saying, this is my nature, I do not change. I am dependable. You can count on me. I'm getting ready, God's getting ready, he's saying, to share with you uh, something that you can build your life on that is a constant. It's a constant, it can be a constant in your life. I'm the Lord, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. In this context of our passage today, the people of Israel had turned away from God. They began to live a selfish life, and God is challenging them. He is rebuking them. He is correcting them on the way in which they have gone astray. And he says that you have gone away from my ordinances. An ordinance is a principle of accepted behavior. God is saying, this is the accepted behavior that I want you to live by, and it's a principle on which you can build your life. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? In other words, they were saying, God, we've been here. We're with you. We're good. Everything is fine with us, but God is saying, oh, no, it's not. He's saying, return to me and I will return to you. They had deceived themselves and, and convincing themselves that they were right with God. Verse 8, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. Another passage, uh, translation says, Prove me, or test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be not, not be enough room to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. He continues to remind us, this is the Lord speaking. This is me. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I want to preach to you and tag a title to my text, this text today. I want to preach to you on the subject of the blessing of the tithe, the blessing of of the tithe. Join your hearts with me in prayer this morning as we gather around God's Word. Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to be in this moment today, Lord, with our brothers and our sisters in person and online in the community and around the world. Father, we thank you in advance for what you are going to do and how you're going to speak to our hearts individually, Lord, through this message. Lord, let us not just be hearers, Lord, going into this moment um, leaving the same way that we entered into this moment. But Lord, let us receive your word. Let us believe your word. And Lord, let us obediently 
act upon your word. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence, Lord, in this place today. Encourage us, challenge us, cause us to be the people of God that you've called us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard recently, I read this story about a preacher who was asleep in his house uh, one night. And he heard some shuffling around, it woke him up, and um, he realized, he saw in the shadows uh, a burglar. He said, who are you? And the man pulled out a gun and he says, you move and you're a dead man. He says, I'm looking for your money. The preacher said to him, well, let me turn on the lights for you and look around. Maybe I can help you find it. (laughs) In other words, (laughs) many of us are in a pursuit looking to accumulate money. We spend the majority and a significant portion uh, of our lives around earning, saving, giving, spending money. And so our relationship with money is not something that we can just brush aside as unspiritual, as impractical. But I would uh, challenge you to think about the words of Jesus who he said in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, your giving, your generosity, is not just a natural subject. It's not just a subject where you can just dismiss, but it's actually very deeply spiritual to God. Very spiritual to God. In fact, in Luke chapter 11, you can go back and read about this. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He gives them this parable and he says, if you cannot be faithful with natural, with money, in this world, who can trust you? Who will entrust you with the true riches from God? In other words, if you can't be faithful and with, with your money, then how can you be faithful with spiritual things? So we spend our money. We work for our money. We save our money. We stress over our money. But my question for you this morning is, do you tithe your money? Let me break down what that word is. The tithe is maybe a church word that maybe some of us are not used to hearing or we're familiar with. The tithe, it actually means tenth. It is the tenth. It's uh, a one, at, one penny out of every dime, okay? It's a tenth. The scripture says that this tenth belongs to the Lord. It's the Lord's. It's His. And that's why he says, the Lord says in in, uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, will a man rob God? But you have robbed me. How have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. I don't want to rob God. (laughs) I would rather just give God what is rightfully his. Amen? Let me give you some current research um, that I've found uh, studying and preparing for this message this week. In American households, those making $50,000 a year or less gave a greater percentage of their income than those making above $50,000. The average family gives $2,514 a year to charities 
annually. This is not just the church. This is annually whatever charities that you can define them giving to, $2,514 a year to charities. 27% of people, uh, of American churchgoers, that is, those who are planted in the church, those who attend church, give $0 annually. Only 5% of churchgoers give consistently, and those who give consistently give 2.5% of their income, thus the $2,500 that we find earlier in the research. American churches, and American churches, 75 to 90% of churchgoers do not tithe. Thus, between 10 to 25% of people who attend or are members of a church annually tithe. But this is the good news. The research does show that once a person starts tithing, they don't stop. It's as if the spirit of generosity enters into their life and they begin to see with a new perspective, and they begin to see the value and the blessing that comes from God as a result of being faithful and obedient to God. And actually, the research shows that the the tithe, if people start off giving the tithe, they actually progressively give more and more, even up to 20%, upon which usually the, the giving plateaus out. Here's a last stat that I thought was really interesting. Um, every church, uh, if every churchgoer in America tithed, one, uh, $165 billion would be added into the economy and, and, and added to fund Christian work throughout the world every year. You see, it often surprises Christians how much the Bible actually has to say about giving. And this is because God is not so concerned about your money and you having money as it is that he wants your heart. It's a heart issue because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Therefore, at Victory Church, we're unashamed to talk to you about giving and about generosity and what God requires from you. Why? Because this is an important part of your walk with the Lord, of your spirituality. The fact is that we don't want something from you. We want something for you. You see, you can't really, truly live in the greatest measure of God's blessing on your life until you become a faithful giver. When you begin to give... You cultivate an attitude of gratitude. You begin to see the blessings of God more clearly on your life. In fact, there's more than 2,300 verses, listen to this, uh, in the Bible on money, wealth, and possessions. Jesus spoke about money roughly 15% of his preaching, 16 out of his 38 parables. It was second, this subject was only second to the kingdom of God as his most talked about subject. Because why? why? Because, because how you handle your finances is a very spiritual issue. This morning, I want to share with you this truth from God's Word to give you a little encouragement. And I know that you're glad that you came to church today. Amen. I want to encourage you with this truth from God's Word today. Here it is. Because a blessed life is an obedient life, I bring to God what belongs to him. How many of you want to live an obedient, blessed life before God? 
This is the message that Malachi is trying to get across to God's people in his day. They were struggling spiritually, relationally, emotionally, and financially because they were robbing from God. And this morning, I want to share with you four reasons, four reasons why I tithe. I want to share with you this morning why you should tithe by sharing with you four reasons this morning why I tithe. And here's the first one. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. As a follower of Jesus, I want to please Jesus. This is the reason why I tithe. To follow Jesus is to live a life that pleases Jesus. It's, a, it's to live an obedient life. My ability to follow Jesus is connected to my willingness to obey Jesus in all things. <laughs> How many of you have heard of selective hearing before? My wife is looking at me, nodding her head right now. Selective hearing. This is what your wife will say to you. I told you that. You didn't hear me. You probably did. There's a thing called selective hearing, and we don't always hear like we're supposed to. But there's also something called, in the scriptures that I believe is in here, it's selective obedience. Many times we want to pick and choose in what ways that we're going to obey God. We compromise. We say, God, if I'll do this, but I can't do that, and I might do this, but I'm really praying about doing that. Uh, we legitimize. We compromise. We try to convince ourselves and rationalize to ourselves that, yes, we are doing the right thing, whereas God is looking not for just half-hearted obedience or selective obedience. He's looking for complete obedience from us. We don't like to hear that because we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Hmm. And this morning... I want to encourage you with the words of Jesus. If Jesus told you, see, this is the conversation that I'll have a lot of times. Somebody will say, it's interesting the responses you get from people when you say, hey, pastor, what are you preaching about this Sunday? If you say money, it's interesting to hear the responses. You know, a lot of people who are givers and they know about it, they say, oh, yeah, good pastor. I, lo I like to hear about that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, you'll, and, and I'll be preaching. They'll be on their, their seat going, yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, you know, I agree. And they, and they understand the blessing that comes from giving. Um, and then I'll talk to other people and they'll say, oh, yeah, well, you know, uh, tithing, yeah, you know, giving, that's, that's Old Testament. And I'm a New Testament Christian and I'm not under law anymore, but I'm under grace. And, uh, and you know, the grace of God has saved me. Well, and then I ask them, I'll say to them, I'll say, oh, well, you're a recipient of grace, right? Well, um, how much more than 10% are you giving? Why? <laughs> because Jesus talks in the Beatitudes. He says, um, you have heard it is written, thou shalt not murder, right? But if you hate your brother in your heart, you've committed murder. What about adultery? He says, you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery. I say to you, if you look at a woman and lust over her, you've committed adultery in your heart. In other words, what God is saying to us is that Jesus increases. He increases what was required in the Old Testament. He requires us to go above and beyond. This is what Paul talks about when he talks about grace giving. 
It's above and beyond that which is required of us. And so this is what Jesus is teaching here in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. This is fascinating. He's talking to the Pharisees. He says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites? For you are careful, listen to this, to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Listen to this. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus is saying here, he's saying, yes, you ought to show grace and mercy and forgiveness, but don't get rid of the reality that you are to tithe. God's saying, yes, do that and do this. In other words, Oh, don't be selective in your obedience. Obey God and act everything. How many of us, we do this? We like to compromise with God. It's like, we're like, uh, yeah, well, I don't tithe, but, but yeah, I pray. Yeah, I pray. Or, or I don't tithe, but I serve. Or I don't tithe, but I give my time. God is saying, Jesus would say to you, yes, do that. But also, do the rest. Tithe, Give. A blessed life is an obedient life, and because I live an obedient and blessed life, I want to live an obedient and blessed life, I bring to God what belongs to him. A tither pleases God obediently by bringing the tithe. I'm going to have some guys, they're going to bring, uh, I've got a little object lesson uh, for you uh, here today. My second point that I want to share with you, the second reason why I tithe and the reason why you should tithe is because the tithe belongs to God. The tithe belongs to God. Listen to this. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. And of all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. Right? Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. You have robbed me in tithes and offerings. And the tithe in the scripture is not just law, right? It's not just the law of Moses, but it It predates the law. We find in the scriptures that Abraham brought a tithe to Melchizedek, which was a priest. Um, And because because God had favored him and he had won a war, he brought tithes. And then we also find uh, that Jacob tithed uh, before the law. We find out in the law that we were required to tithe as the people of God. And we find out in the New Testament that the tithe is simply the baseline of our giving. It's the beginning of our giving. See, tithe is obedience, right? Offering is generosity. So you can't even begin to be generous until you first tithe because the tithe is the Lord's. And what do we have here? We did a little grocery shopping. I sent Ann to do a little grocery shopping uh, for me. And uh, we've got some carrots in here. Uh, right? So we got a lot of carrots. And, and so that, I want to use this as an illustration for you. This is going to be my table right here. This is going to be your table. This is your individual, your personal table that you have right here. Um, so we've got carrots. How many of y'all like carrots, right? You throw those in some, some soup. You throw those in a pot pie. You know, carrots are great. Um, and then you got mangoes. How many of y'all like mangoes? All right, I got mangoes in here. Um, what else do I have in here? Anything else down the bottom of that bag? I think that's it. Uh, we got celery. Celery. Oh, awesome. You scoop this and a little bit of peanut butter on the end. You know, it's healthy for you. All right, we got celery here. Um, what else do we got? We got, oh, limes. Oh, yeah, limes. These are good. Uh, put them in some water. You need those in your life. We got pears. 
some sweet pears here. That's good. Awesome. That's mine. I'm going to take that. Uh, we have cucumbers. How many of y'all like cucumbers? You look like pickles. All right. So I like pickles. Uh, I'll take one of those. Um, what else do we have here? Oh, butternut squash. Butternut squash. Anybody have a recipe for this? I don't know anything about butternut squash. Maybe you can hook me up with a recipe, Pastor Keith at VictoryWinchester.com. We got a lot of squash. It's harvest season. We got a lot of squash here. Oh, bananas. I got bananas down here. Oh, hey, what? what the, look, we got apples. Apples. Everybody loves apples. We'll put a little apple right there. We got bananas. No cramps today. We're going to have... We're going to have no cramps, right? We've got a banana up here. Um, we've got tangerines. Tangerines. Y'all love tangerines. Those are good, right? All right, good. I think we've got everything here. These guys are helping me set up. Oh, this is the, you guys, you could have worked at the uh, supermarket. He's got it all laid out nice and, and pretty. Uh, so on this table right here, um, this is God's, actually God's table. Did I say this is my table? This is God's table. And God says... Out of the, the, the increase of, your, of your, what I've blessed you with, of everything that I've blessed you with, everything that I've given to you, of all the increase, give me 10%. And when we look and when we see how generous, how incredibly gracious, how overwhelmingly abundantly the Lord has blessed us, and when we look at what he requires, what he asks for us to give to him, it causes us to say, you know what, God, not only should I be giving you the 10%, that's, I mean, that's obvious. You know, you start to think about, God, what, not only, God, what should I give, but you ask a better question. Um, what should I keep? I mean, really, do I need all this? I mean, we live in a world with such abundance, and hopefully this causes us to rethink the way in which we give, and we ask ourselves no longer, like, what can I keep? But now, what more can I give? And generosity starts to rise up within us, and we begin to give over and above the 10%. And this is what we here at Victory Church call kingdom builders. Pastor Sarah shared about it earlier. It's our giving above our 10%. That's when you really, truly can say that you are becoming generous in your giving, when you're giving above your 10%. Amen? And here's the perspective that we ought to have. I am owner of nothing and a steward of everything. That verse right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In other words, I am a owner of nothing, owner of nothing and a steward of everything. Nothing I have is owned. Everything I have is loaned. You get that? It's on loan. And I have to give an account to God when I stand before the Lord. But here's the good news. When we give to God, he says that he will open up the windows of heaven for us and pour out blessing upon us that we won't even have room to contain. We love that part of the promise. But in order to get to that part of the promise, we have to do the third thing. The third reason why I tithe is because this, it reveals my faith in God. You see, the tithe is not just, um, it's not just about the first. It's not about the percent. 
It's the, it's the first 10%, right? It's not just about the percent, it's the first 10%. It's not about the number, it's about the order. God wants me to give to him first, and then he blesses the rest. So when we put God first, then he blesses, we are in position for him to bless the rest. This is the only command in the scripture that comes with a test. God said, test me in this and prove me in this, and I promise you that I will pour out blessing upon you. How many of you know God is faithful to keep his promise? Amen? God is faithful to keep his promise. But here's the problem that we have. Um, how many of y'all like eating out? You like pizza, right? Pizza's good. We, we go out to eat, and, um, you know, we start eating. And this is kind of like how our giving is. And, and we consume, and we consume, and we consume. We have the second piece, the third piece. And if you think about this as like our bills, you know, you've got your mortgage, you've got your water bill, you've got your trash and your sewage. Um, what else do you have? You have date night with your wife, right? We got our car payments. We got our other payments that we're, uh, our phone payments that we're responsible for. We've got about 70 subscriptions to Amazon, Hulu, um, Netflix. We got all, we got so many subscriptions, we don't even know what we have, right? And so, and so we have all these responsibilities and we end up not having any left over for God because we've already spent it. That's why God says, bring him the tithe first. First, as an act of worship. You see, we don't give God our leftovers, but we give God our best. When we give God our leftovers, we live in lack. How many of you realize that the number one cause for marriage instability is, is arguing over finances? How many of you know that you have arguments, you have turmoil, you have stress, you're worried, you're freaked out, you've got all these issues... And the reason why you have a lot of these things is because you haven't given to God his and trusted him to bless the 90. I would rather have God's blessing on the 90 than try to manage the 100 in my own strength. Amen? So we need the blessing of God upon what we give, and it reveals our faith when we give to God first. Here's a bad word, and nobody's talking about this these days. I'm going to help you out here right now. Everybody get ready to take a note right now, all right? I'm going to share with you a word uh, that might be foreign, that you might may, maybe never heard of before or whatever, but it's called a budget. It's called a budget. Here's my suggestion, just a simple plan that you can implement even right now. If you want to see the blessing of God on your life, Give God his 10%, save 10%, live on the 80. Wow. It's going to cause you to sit down, though, and write down a budget. Here's what our budget is. I got to make more money. No. Our budget is you sit down, you have income, you have expenses, you give God his first, you save 10%, and you live off the 80. Well, I hear somebody complaining right now. I can't afford to talk. I can't afford to live off the 80. I can't afford to the 10%. Can, can I tell you this morning that if you were to get an 80% cut in your, in your job next week, you would not die. You would not die. What would it cause you to do? It would cause you to sit down at the table 
God, I need your help. Help me to create this budget. You have to reevaluate and reprioritize your life. And that's what the tithe does. It reveals your faith in God. P.L., come in, if you don't mind, and we're going to close here in a second. So it's not that you can't afford to tithe. Are you willing to tithe? The tither has faith to give God the first. The last reason why I tithe is this. Listen to me. I tithe because I love my church and I'm deeply, and I care deeply about its witness. I care deeply about its witness. When I love something or someone, I'm quick to give. I am quick to give. I'm quick to invest. And what do we invest? We invest when we love something. We invest our time. We invest our money. We invest our talents and our energy. And where we invest, listen to me, it doesn't just reveal where my heart is, but it reveals where my heart is going. Where you invest does not just reveal where your heart is, where you spend your money. I can find out what you love. I can find out what you're passionate about. I can find out what you really care about by what you give. But it not only reveals where your love is, but it also reveals where your love is going. If you want to become more passionate about God and about the things of God and about the things of the church and about the mission of God, you have to begin to give to the things of God. Because where you put your treasure is where your heart will be. God, help us to not be so consumed with consuming and being so focused on the next thing that we're trying to accumulate and possess and take hold of. Bigger houses, better things, better car, all these things that we're seeking out, all these things that we're pushing toward, all these things that we're trying to accumulate. God, help us. Help us to love you. Help us to love our church. And help us to care deeply about its witness. Verse 12, Malachi chapter 3. He says, the Lord says, He will pour out for us such a blessing that there will be not enough room to contain it, to receive it. And He will rebuke the devourer for our sakes, that He will not destroy our ground, nor the vine fail to bear fruit for us in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call us blessed for we will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Bring all your tithes. Bring them where? Bring them into the storehouse. The storehouse is the place in which you receive ministry. The Lord is saying, you want me to do greater things in and through Victory Church? Let's see a great move of obedience and of generosity toward the things of God, toward helping people find and follow Jesus. We got a building here. We have to have lights on. Aren't you, aren't you appreciative of air conditioning and heat? It ain't cool enough today, but I will tell you, we do have air conditioning. Aren't you thankful for a church who cares about people, who is invested in the community through ministries all throughout the weeks, through groups, through 
um, through our food pantry, all the things that we do here throughout Victory Church, all the benevolence, the people who come here have needs and we bless and we pray for and we share the gospel with. Aren't you thankful for the opportunity we have each and every week to gather? Aren't you thankful for kids' ministries? Aren't you thankful for youth ministries? Aren't you thankful for young adults that can come to know God through the ministries that we have right here at Victory Church? How do you think this happens? This happens through God's blessing, used through using his people to distribute his blessings. That's how we're able to continue to do ministry. That's how we're able to make a difference. That's how we're able to see lives change and eternities affected. That's how we're able to see God's blessing and hand upon everything that we're doing. The result of your faithfulness to give to God what already belongs to him. So this morning, would you test the Lord? Would you put him to the test? This is what he says. Test me in this. Prove me in this. How many of you know you can take God's word to the bank? He don't need a cosigner. This is his word. He is faithful to perform his word. If he said it, he will do it. He's not a man that he shall lie. If he's promised it, he will perform it. How many of you are thankful that God not only says that he'll do it, but come on, he also has the ability to do it? How many have ever met somebody before that they promised you something, but they didn't have the ability to perform the promise? Sometimes you've met people who had the ability that didn't have the willingness. Not only is God willing, but he is also able. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think according to his power. Because a blessed life is obedient life, I bring to God what belongs to him. This is very spiritual. Do not dismiss this. If you want to fully follow Jesus, you're going to have to search your heart. You're going to have to allow God to search your heart, and you're going to have to say, God, what am I withholding from you? So this morning, thank you for your grace, your kindness to me, and for bearing with me through this strong message. But it's all because God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. Can you imagine a life where you don't have to stress about how to accumulate more? Where your financial stress is replaced with financial peace because you're trusting in the Lord and you're putting him first and you know that he's going to provide and take care of you? Can you imagine a life where your joy in life and your sense of significance doesn't come from the things that you accumulate and the things that you have, but rather it comes from what you're able to give? This is what Jesus says when he says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's countercultural. It doesn't make any sense. How am I going to get out of this debt that I'm in? You got to give your way out. God is the only one who can bring you out. God is the only one who can promote. God is the only one who can give you ideas. God is the only one who can open up doors that no one can shut. If there is a tither in this place today and your spirit bears witness to this, 
you have seen the hand of the Lord. You have seen the faithfulness of God. You have proved him in this truth. And I want to say thank you. For those of you that are in this place that are ready to take that next step. It's a step of faith. It takes God to give faith to give God the first. Trust me, it does. And I'm not saying it's a minimal step. I'm saying it is a step. And maybe you can't give 10 starting now. But maybe you can give 5%. Maybe you've been given occasionally. Maybe you can start giving more frequently. What is God saying for you to do? How would God want you to respond today? obediently to him. It's a really a matter of trust. Are we going to trust the Lord or not? He said it. He is able to fulfill it. I want to pray for you all over this room as we dismiss today, in person and online. I want to pray blessings over you. I know that many of you are challenged deeply with a message like this. And you sense a great level of maybe responsibility or guilt. This is not about guilt. It's not about shame. It's about worship. It's about faith. It's about trust. It's about freedom. The freedom to give. The freedom to trust God, the freedom that comes, the peace of God that comes, the blessing, the intangible blessing of the peace of God and the presence of the Lord in your life as a result of your faithfulness to God and your giving. This morning, Lord, thank you, Lord, for the way that you're speaking to hearts and lives. Lord, we are, every one of us, Every one of us should know what it's like to be in this place today and to have an incredible debt that we cannot pay. Your word says that in sin, our parents conceived us. Your word says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But yet you have provided a way for our debt to be paid. For it is written, Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, that we might inherit the blessing of Abraham, that blessing of salvation, that blessing of a new beginning, that blessing of forgiveness of sins, that blessing of eternal life. And if you're in this place today, there is a debt. If you've never given your life to Jesus, there is a debt that you cannot pay in your own goodness. There's a debt that you must pay, not based upon your history or what you've given. You can't earn your way into it. It's by grace through faith. So this morning, the scripture says, those who call upon the Lord, the name of the Lord will be saved. And this morning, you owe a debt that you cannot pay. But the good news is that Jesus came to pay your debt, to forgive you of all your sins, to give you his righteousness and the riches that come from knowing him. 
spiritual blessings in heavenly places. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Significance, purpose, and knowing what God has called you to do and who he's called you to be. So this morning, Lord, all across this room and online, I just want to pray for my friends. Father, I pray blessings on them. God, I ask, Lord, that they would open up their hearts to you today. Lord, that if you're speaking to them, Lord, about an area of their life that they have not fully submitted to you, God, that you would give them courage to step out in faith. Lord, if they don't know you as their Lord and Savior, truly, they are bankrupt. They are debtors. But you have come, Lord, to forgive us of all of our debts and to bless us with the richness of forgiveness and the person and presence of Jesus in our life each and every moment of each and every day in eternal life. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your love for us that you gave your only son that if we would believe in you, we would not perish but have eternal life. Now I leave them with this blessing. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, to know the love of Christ which surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.